everybody, Payments Professor here, and I want to welcome you to the Payments Podium, where today we're going to talk to a veteran when it comes to implementing all kinds of different payment channels through his career. Today I have Bob Steen with me, and Bob, if you would, uh, you're, you're with Bridge Community Bank. Would you, you please just maybe introduce yourself, give us your title, what it is you do? Sure, Kev, Professor. Uh, I'm Bob Steen. I'm with Bridge Community Bank. I've been here a long time, just past my 40 years. The bank's celebrating its 120th year. Um, we're, um, we're, we've been involved in payments early in uh, check imaging and same-day ACH, and now in uh, instant payments, both with uh, RTP and FedNow. The question I got for you that I start off every payments podium with is discovering how you got started in electronic payments. Because a lot of people out there listening want to know, hey, how would I get a career in electronic payments? Or we hear a lot of people too that, you know, I never dreamed I'd be in electronic payments. So it's usually an interesting story to hear how people got started in electronic payments. So what, what's your story? Well, I, I, got, I go back a long ways, uh, Kevin. I, um, I was drafted into the United States Army in 1970. Um, I, I was working for the Federal Reserve of Chicago at the time. And we, I was involved in the conversion of paper military payroll files to electronic. It was the first direct deposit payroll. The Air Force started it. The Army quickly followed. And it was a game changer. It, it, from the time that people received a paper check, trying to figure out how to get money back to their family, uh, and all of a sudden that could be directly deposited to their bank. And so I picked up on that. I understood the significance of it. And then as I moved into community banking world after my years of examination, I just had a real interest in improving payments. So you're telling me that your experience in electronic banking goes back to when you were in the military and the very first days of what we now call direct deposit when it first started. Before anybody had heard of NACHA or ACH. Uh, <laughs> I've reminded my Fed friends, no, you didn't start ACH. It, the military did that. Oh, see, I think that's wonderful because a lot of people today, when we tell them, you know, all the payment options that are out there, they wonder, like, why do we do this? And I say to them, one of the things you got to understand is the history of how a lot of this started. And the reality is there was a time when everything was paper-based. You had a physical check or you had cash, and that was about it. I mean, cards existed, but they were a little bit of different, let's say, animal than they are today. They're not like the debit card that you used. The debit card you use now, if I'm correct, you're telling me it was all paper-based. It was all checks and cash. That's exactly right. I stood in line in military payroll for cash. And then I had to figure out how to get that home to my wife and infant son. Um, and if in a, in the bigger picture was that if, if you were in the military and you got separated from that manila folder, that was your payroll file, you didn't get paid till it caught up with you and it didn't always catch up very quickly. So people struggled um, many times with uh, being unpaid for sometimes months. Months. Okay, that's crazy to think. We have people now get upset because if a payroll mistake happens, it can be hours before it gets fixed or maybe a day. I can't imagine months. But something else that I heard in that too is you've been around to see a lot of different changes. You even talked about, you know, electronification of checks. You talked about going into same day ACH. So you've seen a lot of changes in the payments networks, the payment systems over the years. 
what was like the big ones that you saw and let's say in the early 2000s with checks what did that really do what did that mean to the industry well i, I will back up a little farther we were imaging checks in 1996 um, uh, eight years before the check 21 act was passed and so uh, we understood the efficiency the, and the cost savings that once the fed could start accepting electronic cash letters and the, the numbers were easy to to see um, I thought we were going to save 40% on, on my Fed um, expense, and it was ended up very quickly being about 60% savings. So we knew we knew how efficient it was, and and we we handed off a check image statement, monthly statement to our customers, and said this is the way it's going to be in 1996, and and it was scary because they had never seen it before, but we never lost a single account. And we could make that check as big or as little as they wanted it. Okay. And you said you never lost an account. I mean, the problems you had, I would say actually, I, you know, full transparency, every payment system, everything we implement, sometimes there are problems and things that happen, yes. but we figured out how to correct them. But I also believe that when you go from like in that case, from the paper base to the more imaging, there were less problems because you were able to concentrate, do things like you said, more effectively, more efficiently. Yeah, that's right. We The only thing we heard was non-customers telling us that their banks promised to forever send them their original check. And I said, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, once we went to imaging, you know, that's why we got the substitute check. And then it's like, right. who really needs to have the physical check at that point? But I also get... You know, people are creatures of habit and they get used to the way things are. So when things do change, sometimes it can be a little difficult because they expect things to be that way. So that was a big change in check deposit going to where you were electronification of the checks itself. What about when you put it in the hands of people, when you actually like say put it on phones and let them start taking checks? What happened then? Well, I think uh, we do that. Of course, we our customers can make uh, remote deposits either from a scan scanner in a desktop or mobile on a mobile device. Um, it's it's uh, in my particular circumstance, it's and I rely on a third party core provider to to facilitate that. It's not very cost effective for us, but it's very convenient for the bank or for the customer, excuse me. And so we, we do that. It's important to them to be able to, and we maintain accounts that are not so local that we would not otherwise be able to keep. Okay. Um, that's going with checks. That's going back to where we had electronification of checks. That's putting it in the hands of the consumers and all that. So that was big changes. That's really, you know, we're kind of dating ourselves here because I was around when that one happened too. No, 90s, early 2000s. But you also mentioned getting same day ACH started. And a lot of people, if we just mentioned ACH, can you tell us some of the things that if we look at, you know, the history of ACH and going to same day ACH, what importance you saw there, what it meant to the industry itself and the things you did? Well, my first my first real introduction to the discussion was I was on the NACHA board and the, it was on the agenda and it was about a five minute discussion that moved on. And so I challenged that and and basically said, look, we haven't improved this payment system for 30 years. Let's let's figure this out. And so the first ballot failed. I it might surprise you. Uh, I was vocal. Um, I was active. Um, but it failed and it was, I don't think it's any secret. It failed because there were large banks 
that didn't want to jeopardize wire revenue. But by the second ballot, they'd run out of excuses, and so it passed, and here we are. And it's the volume has far exceeded anybody's expectation, including the, our friends, my friends at Nacha. I think the um, and we heard all the same risk worries that we're hearing now on instant payments and and digital check digitizing a check. I mean, we had that same conversation that this is going to be loaded with fraud. So um, I'm a little I'm I'm not laying awake nights on that issue. Um, the uh, but the the same day ACH to be able to fix a payroll file that same day as opposed to not and having our customers have create return items or a late mortgage payment and which drives a fee which drives a something on the credit bureau reporting and just the fallout of a late payroll that people take for granted that's for certain going to be there to be able to fix that in that same day is is really ex an extraordinary benefit that we have for our customers. And that's just one example. And that's just one example. And what I like to point out from what I heard, Bob, is you're telling me you're looking out for your account holders and what benefits them. Because I heard, you know, things could hit their credit records. I heard, you know, they could have fees if these payments don't process through. Plus, the businesses that you work with, too, is making sure that they're able to efficiently do all of this. And, and I know a lot of times banks just get a bad name, but the reality is, is that is one of the objectives I have seen every time I've talked to you and heard you speak, that you're really doing what you can to help bring benefits to the people that you serve in your community. Ultimately, ultimately, uh, uh, Kevin, that's all that matters. That really is. Um, we, we'll, we'll, we'll struggle through issues, but how it impacts our customers is what we pay attention to. And I, I love that too. And you know, and one of the other things is uh, Bridge Community is not small, but you're not a mega bank. You're not, you know, like the real big boys that we hear about, yet you're still able to offer all these things. In fact, one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about is FedNow. And you know, we hear RTP, these instant payments. What I know about you, and I want people to hear, is that you've been a pioneer in all of this. I mean, here we are six, seven months into having. Fed now, and you're a live player on that network, right? Yeah, we are. We we can send and receive on both RTP and Fed now. Um, we I can do it from a mobile device. Uh, I do it. I I'm you know the words out that we can send a payment, so we get multiple inquiries for banks that are financial institutions that are just now receivers, but they can't prove up that they're a receiver until somebody sends them a payment. So so we uh, we do that commonly. And, uh, and, and we literally have what I would say com a com at least two competitors with accounts at our bank so they can test with our app for their own members. Um, and mm -hmm. so, you know, but I, I don't see this as a competitive thing right now. I, I, we, this doesn't work unless there's adoption. Okay, I got to ask too, what made you think I'm going to go down this road. What made you think, you know, that I've got to get these instant payments to be able to offer to my account holders? Because, you know, I heard you talking about same day ACH that you saw that there were benefits there. I heard you talking about when you went to electronification of checks, there were benefits there, more efficient, things like that. What made you go, okay, this 24-7, 365 instant payment route, we got to do that? Well, I, 
it, you know, it's a, a continuum of my view of same-day ACH. And then the, in 2000, early 2016, Fed started this uh, faster payment task force. I ended up as a, a, one of the two small FI members of the steering committee. I was later on a director of work, Fed director of work group. We were actually working with a Fed in proof of concept on a director in 2013. I mean, we've been at this for a while. Um, the directory still isn't there. It's critical that we get there, but for now it's not. Um, but in any event, um, so it, it just made sense to me. And ultimately, I just don't think we can be bystanders. This, this, was, this train was coming and it was a slow process. The, the Fed announced the initiative in October of 2012. I was in the room when that was announced and uh, here we are what you know 11 years later and we're actually able to do something yeah it's funny it took how long for us to get instant payments <laughs> i know it's almost it's comical but the, i think a lot of that too has to do with if people don't understand the way the banking world really works it can be slow to get new things started and a lot of that is because there's so many different players in the industry and making sure we check off all the boxes and when it comes to checking off all the boxes and you decided, okay, I'm going to go this route, can you give us a little insight, maybe actually advice that you would tell to another financial institution that if you're looking on starting faster payments, starting with FedNow, these are the things you should consider. These are the things you should look at. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, you can spend all day long trying to think about use cases and what, why you want to do this. But I would tell you from our experience with same day ACH, use cases popped up that nobody had, had envisioned. And the volume is, is very, very high, high, again, higher than anybody anticipated. I would say this, and um, as we speak, the, the core providers, virtually all the core providers have a product. Um, but my, my recommendation is you do not have to wait for your core provider to tell you when and how much it's going to cost. You don't have to. Wait, wait, wait. You're telling me that you don't, even though this has got to be able to hit the core, because that's a key concept of a faster payment, is it's got to be able to hit the core for that immediate funds availability. But if I'm hearing right, you're saying you don't have to wait on the core? We didn't. Um, we, we did not, um, you know, it was one of those aha moments that the middle, our middleware that connected our debit card processing to our core um, for the last 12 years served really two functions. One is to verify good funds and the other to post the transaction to our core through a communication link, not integration. Um, and uh, so we, I, it dawned on me that that's all we needed for this. Now, Bear in mind, whatever success we've had is the partners that we've participated with. Um, and so we've been very fortunate in those partners. So, And I'm okay with you mentioning the OPN. O OPN is actually, they're friends of the Pigeon organization. Sure. Uh, Pigeon does fund the Payments Professor podcast. So, you know, we do like to make them look good. But I love the OPN network and what they're doing. I've done a lot of events with them as well. Um, and, and I, I'm okay if you mention them. Well, I got to I got to know Bradley Wilkes through the steering committee and faster payment task force. That's how that relationship developed, and so I know I know him, and I could see the 
uh, the, uh, the progress he was making. And we did a couple other uh, technical projects uh, um, on the card side and on the digital wallet side, um, so I, I, which included cross-border. And I, so I saw the capability of the network. So I had a lot of confidence then in this as we began to certify for RTP and FedNow. And in fairness, we've been a receiver for, for with the RTP as Jack Henry is our processor for since April 2021. And I would say to those people that are still wringing their hands over whether they should receive or not, that's simply a credit. You get the money sooner for you and your customer. And in since night since April of 2021, we have not had a single exception as with this process through the RTP and Jack Henry, not one. Um, and so never a request for return, never any. Have you had a problem on Fed now? I have not, but we haven't had the so, volume or the time. All right. This is one that I tell people that to me is just like, this should get you excited. If you work in an operations department and you're coming in, and I know for a fact when it comes to wires, your cards, and even ACH, and I love my ACH, there's a lot of exception item processing. Yeah. I mean, it's a full-time job yeah. for people. Now, this won't eliminate jobs. I'm not saying that. But I, may, I will say, and what you're seeing and what we see in a lot of these systems is it greatly reduces the number of exceptions that you see because it's a system that just works. Well, that's our experience so far. Now, we know, we know Kevin, the bad guys are smart, right? But what we're seeing, and I guess my best response is this bank, I just mentioned we're celebrating our 120th year. Um, we've been check processing checks since that time. I haven't been here the whole time, but a long time. And we still haven't, we still haven't nailed down check fraud. Check fraud is, paper check fraud is more of a problem now than it was three years ago. So we're going to have issues. We are, but uh, we, we, that's our business. We're in the business of risk and payments. And, um, and so I, uh, I just think that we, we can manage this. We, we can manage it. People will make mistakes. People will key in the wrong account number. You know, that's one reason why a directory is so important. But it will happen. And, but we'll fix it. Okay. I completely agree with that. We will fix it. And I, I love that point of view too, is to explain to people, no payment system out there is foolproof. No payment system out there doesn't experience some type of losses or even fraud at some point in time. Because like you said, people do make mistakes and the fraudsters are out there always trying to do what they can do. Can I go back to something else though? Cause you talked about just receiving. Is that in itself maybe a use case? Is that an, an incentive that every financial institution should be considering that you may want to get out there and at least be able to receive? Absolutely. There's just in it's you know it's just there's really no downside to it. It's money coming in, um, and we and as I say, we have not had a single reason to return a, a, a receive payment. Now, um, and for those of us that can send for my perfectly selfish perspective, I can't send if you can't receive, right? And, and so I need you to receive in anything our bank can do. And we're doing that, including we're having conversations with Pigeon and about, you know, test transactions, et cetera. So this is, in my view, no time to let competition get in the way. We, we need everybody in. 
I agree. And that's part of why I know we're doing the same thing. Whoever we can work with, there's really enough business to go around because everybody should be getting part of this network. Something else, though, that comes up on that is you mentioned you're on RTP and you're on Fed now. Should people consider being on both or should maybe they just look at only one network? Well, let me just give you my example. So on our app, which is an, called XCheck, it, we used it the last three or four years for just a, an account-to-account, same-day ACH payment. Worked great, but now it's been enabled for, for real time. And so it has logic built into it. So if I send a payment, it's first going to try FedNow, just a choice. I, I could have gone the other way, but I, I work for the Fed, so, you know, kind of a Fed guy. Um, and so the second, and then if that receiver is not a FedNow receiver, it tries uh, the clearinghouse. And if that doesn't work because they're not a Fed a, uh, RTP receiver, it defaults the same day ACH. This all happens in milliseconds. Um, and so, um, so again, my ability to send, a, I want to be able to send to both FedNow and RTP receivers because I'm going to broaden the, the recipient base. Uh, now, there's going to be a lot of, you know, I think the clearinghouse says there's, they got 400 and so over, well over 400 participants. Um, the Fed's now w over 300. And there's going to be a lot of those that are same banks like us, but a lot of that are not. And so my chances of delivering an instant payments increase dramatically if I can deliver to either. I agree that, that that is actually an incredible use case within itself, in my opinion, is by using both networks, you increase your chances of being able to provide your account holder the ability to send and or receive on those different networks and the likelihood that whoever they're transacting with, it's going to be able to go through and, and be an instant payment and not resort to one of those other rails. Now, you mentioned you don't have to wait for a use case. You also said you don't have to go with your core. But as an early adopter, what advice would you, other advice, uh, you know, let's say for people who are going, considering going on one or the other, or starting in the process even, things they should consider. Like you mentioned, there's the testing process that needs to be done. What about policies and procedures? What about agreements? Is there any other advice you would give to people that are starting this journey of what they could, should consider for onboarding to, say, FedNow? Well, in the case of uh, in case of Fed now, you've got most people have an account manager with the Fed, and they can get you started. Uh, I think both RTP and the Fed now can claim with uh, accuracy that it that the start to finish is relatively short. In our case, Open P Open Payment Network walked us through the certification process, and I'm sure Pigeon does that for their clients, and so does everybody else. And so it's not a heavy lift from our perspective. Uh, uh, you know, it's, there's forms, there's documents, there's things, um, there's assurances that you have to make. Um, you know, in the case of the clearinghouse, they're cautious about requests for payment. And so we were, we're limited on the use cases for requests for payment, but I don't see that getting in our way at all. And, uh, and, so I just think that my, my advice is don't, you know, the, the reason that people are not doing this, in my view, because I've got a lot of history with my peers in this industry. One, they're not, the answer would be, well, my customer is not asking for it. My customer is not pounding the desk and saying, I want an instant payment. But most of those customers 
are getting Venmo and PayPal and Square payments now in your bank and you're not paying attention. Um, and so how, how long do you acquiesce to that? The other is that uh, how much does it cost? Well, that depends. That depends on what you want and who you work with. And, uh, and so I'd say do your research. There are people like me that has been down the path. There's, there's, um, and, and again, I, I sent a payment yesterday to a federal credit union member to, to prove up for them that they could receive. And they liked what they saw. And so um, there's a lot of resources. You know, fraud, the Fed's done a lot of work on fraud. Um, but right now, uh, I, I, I think this, and the key thing, the key thing, we, I know you repeat this, I repeat this, everybody that it repeats it. This is credit push. We're not taking money out of anybody's account that's not authorized that. And so they're pushing money. We're not pulling the risk factors dramatically less. And, um, and so I, I, I don't know, Kevin, what more to say, you know, it becomes a sermon and I don't mean it that way. Uh, but it's important to our industry. Do you think though, that faster payments are going to do just like what we saw in same day ACH? And by that, what I mean is, and, and I heard you even say this is it exceeded our expectations. I know it happened to me too, that when we first put it out there and we started suddenly seeing the volume to where we see incredible volume now, do you think that over the next year or two, we're going to see the same thing happen with Fed now that people are going to suddenly realize this is a better way, this is a faster way, doesn't replace everything, but it definitely has its place and that we're going to see those volumes grow and it will just work? Well, I do think it'll move along fairly quickly. I don't think it'll work as quickly as same day ACH because going back to my military story, the, the, there's one of the few times the, the government has mandated anything, but they mandated that all banks, all financial institutions had to be able to receive an electronic credit and that, and social security and pay, military payroll and government entitlements and payroll wouldn't work today had without that mandate because every bank had to be able to receive a, a financial institution had to be able to receive a, uh, a electronic credit it wasn't called ACH then but it worked and um, and so but in this case it's an opt-in you you have to opt in to receive I, I encourage everybody to get in position to receive there's no downside there's there's going to be some expense but you're it, like everything else we do we, we, there's a lot of expense in mobile banking and remote deposit, all that stuff. This is just that. And so I just encourage everybody to receive. But that's just a small step compared to the ability for your customers to be able to initiate a real-time payment. And my own personal view is, and I'm on the Shazam board, I care about the success of Shazam and all things related to debit cards. I make Our bank makes some money on debit card interchange. But I really honestly believe that the request for payment at the point of sale is going to change that dynamic. And that I think will happen pretty quickly as soon as the merchants figure that out. 
I'm with you, and we're gonna we're gonna end it on that one right there because the request for payment and what it's gonna do for bill pay, what it's gonna do at the point of sale. That is that's our teaser for a future episode. Um, uh, Bob, thank you for being on the payments podium today, sharing your views because I agree with you. We'll see less exceptions. I loved hearing how you look out for your account holders and being able to provide them services. And even that you you mentioned that you know customers may not be asking for this directly, but they're asking for it in what you see as far as their transactional activity. And I think that gets overlooked a lot. Any closing comments you want to leave people with before we uh, end the show today? Just a, just a short follow-up to that, your last comments. Nobody ever came into my bank and said, whatever you do, would you please digitize my check? Nobody ever said, can I please send a same-day ACH? Nobody ever did that. Um, so this is just the same I agree. It is. They may not ask for it directly, but uh, they'll love it when they have it in their hands. Folks, thank you all for listening today. I am the Payments Professor Kevin Olson, and if there's a topic or a speaker you would like to have on the Payments Podium, you can always email me, Kevin, at PaymentsProfessor.com. I'll do what I can to make sure that that topic gets addressed and we get that speaker on the Payments Podium. But for now, I got to say, class dismissed.